for Pete's sake. I mean, I remember when I was growing up and we would say that for Pete's sake. And we didn't normally say it in a way that it was positive. It was normally kind of in a negative. Someone would do something stupid. You go, for Pete's sake, what are you thinking? My parents would say that to me a lot when I was a kid. Anyone else get that a lot when you were a kid? Um, that little moment, for Pete's sake, Brian, what are you doing? Like this whole moment in there. I wonder if you've ever read something in the Bible and thought, what? Anyone ever read that? You've read something in the Bible where you sit there and you kind of scratch your head a little bit and you go, what am I reading here? Uh, As we've been soaping along and reading throughout God's word, there have been a lot of head-scratching moments where I read something on the pages of scripture and I just think that seems so contrary to my normal nature. In fact, there are so many times where I'm reading things in the Word that even seem contrary to the culture that I'm living in. It seems contrary to things that I've been taught in school. It seems contrary to things that maybe I would say are core values to me. Some of us are very proud of our heritage, and I hope that you are. I hope that the 4th of July was more than just a time off, a getaway at the lake, a a time to barbecue. I, I hope that there was something inside of you this year that said, I'm thankful to live in America. I'm thankful to be an American. I'm thankful for the freedoms that we get to enjoy in this culture, and, and I'm thankful that, that I have a voice, right? I'm thankful that my voice in the midst of this season and in the midst of this moments matters. For many of us, we're, we're proud and we're thankful to be a part of a democracy where, where our vote counts and matters, but, but may I challenge you with something today. <laughs> the kingdom of God is very different than a democratic mindset. In fact, we're going to unpack some of this in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're kind of doing a verse-by-verse study throughout it. Amanda did a great job this past week uh, of just unpacking 1 Peter chapter 1. In fact, you can give her a big hand. She did a great job. And in this series, you're going to get to hear from Pastor Bryce and from Pastor Eric. And I'm excited for them to bring just an unpacking of God's word. And today I have the privilege of unpacking 1 Peter chapter 2. But, but I want you, before we even jump into it, I want you to actually take this moment to actually begin to clear your mindset to how you think things should be. I I think for a lot of us, we struggle with things we read on the pages of Scripture because they seem contrary to things that we hold value to. For some of us right now, we've been so strong, like, I'm an American, like I believe, and I believe in this country, and I'm red, white, and blue all the way, and we take pride in the flag, and all these things, and our independence, and, and, and I'm not saying those things are negative, but I'm just saying you cannot use that mindset and those thoughts and apply them to the scriptures because we do not live in the scriptures in a democracy we live in a theocracy which means that God is king he he's lord and and we actually to live in a place of freedom actually have to be in a place of submission and that's what we're going to kind of unpack today um 
In fact, if we were to say what today's big idea is, is it's for Pete's sake, live free. Last week, Amanda talked about for Pete's sake, be different. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, be different. Come on, be different. Say it again. Say, be different. Look at somebody and say, you are different. <laughs> Come on, you're a little different, right? Come on, any different people in the house? Come on, just raise your hand. You're a little different. Come on, like, you know what I'm talking about. You're different. If you're different in here, just know you're in good company, right? Because we are called to be different. We're called to be who God's called. Like, you have an in, you're an individual person who God has placed his identity in and said, you're my son, you're my daughter. You've been adopted as sons and daughters. You're a part of a royal family. You're different. And we need to understand that this morning, that we're different. So, for Pete's sake, be different. But today I want to talk about, for Pete's sake, live free. Live free. And as we unpack this idea of living free, we have to take mindset of what we've been taught in school, what everything's been kind of, you know, you've been living according to these different ideas of what freedom looks like. Because we many times think freedom means I get to do whatever I want to do. And that's what culture says. Culture says freedom is just be you. Be free. Do and be whoever you want to be. And what has happened is, is as culture has continued to say, live, free, free, freedom, free, free, what has happened is, is perversion, sin, has entered into that mix, and it has created a whole mess in the midst of freedom. If you were to ask Adolf Hitler, where you get bringing freedom to people, he would have told you yes. Someone who murdered and massacred a whole group of people, the Jews. He thought he was bringing freedom to his people. See, the problem is, is that freedom, when defined through an individual, we all will define it differently. Every single one of us will. The problem has been we've taken the word of God and we've, we've put it through our Western filter, our, our Western mindset of what freedom is. And so we read passages of scripture like we're going to read today and, and then we get caught up on things that we go, I don't agree with that, but, but we have to understand the context. We have to understand the, the readers that, that the letter was being written to. We have to understand what's happening during that time to really begin to understand the heart of God through his word. So for Pete's sake, live free. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Peter, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, and we're going to look at the end part, verses 11 through 25, and we'll just kind of read through this today. And, and as we're reading through it, I'm going to pause and just interject different things throughout. It's going to be more of a verse by verse today. But as we're kind of walking through this, I want to challenge you. One, you should be taking notes. The reason is, is because you're going to forget what I tell you when you leave. You just will. My wife forgets stuff. And she's my wife. She will leave. So what does she do? She takes notes in her phone every week. And then so during the week when I'll say something like, hey, babe, what did you think of this from the message? She'll be like, I can't remember. Let me pull up my notes. I don't care how good of a communicator I am or am not. <laughs> 
you need to take notes. So every week you should be bringing pen and paper. You should be writing on your phone. Stay off Facebook during the gathering. Like stay engaged. All right? I know some of you are like, man, I'm just trying to figure out where I need to go to eat. There's not a whole lot of choices in Adrian. So you don't have to worry about trying to figure that out. Okay? Just let's stay engaged right here. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says this. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Now remember, Peter writes these words. Peter would have been like the big brother. I love what Amanda was talking about last week when she was talking about he was this father really kind of figure who was who was challenging us to strengthen our faith. He, he was giving us things to be able to chew on and really feed on. And, and he was one who was trying to unite the people together. He, he was trying to bring people to a place where, where they could kind of be called out. Because you are different. And you are called to live in freedom. And Peter is challenging the church in this moment with this passage right in here. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh. Now this is different because the world says, give in to the passions of the flesh. The world says, do and be whoever and however you want to be. So however you're feeling in the moment, just do it. We have tennis shoes that we wear that say just do it just do it just be you and listen I'm not trying to knock on that what I'm trying to say is is when you give in to the passions of your flesh it will lead to destruction it always has when we continue to say I'm feeding this part of my life it will actually bring destruction he says it wages war against your soul. Peter is challenging the church to be different. He's challenging us to be set apart. He's challenging us to say no to the desires of the flesh. He says your passions of the flesh will actually create turmoil in your life. Now I just want you to think about something. A moment where you gave in to your passion and you made a bad choice and that choice actually did what? Did it actually help? Did it calm things down? Did it make peace in your life? Or did it actually bring turmoil to your life. Think about the, the marriage where someone gives in to the passions of their flesh that says, you know, just, just have it your way. Maybe there's challenges in the marriage and, and you start looking at something else or you start engaging in conversation somewhere else. What does it do? It doesn't create peace. It creates a war. When we give in to the passions of our flesh, it creates war inside of us. Some of us can't figure out why every week there seems like there's this war waging inside of us. It's because every time we keep giving into the passions of our flesh, it creates turmoil. Why? Because you were not created that way. You were created in the image of God. Sin is contrary to how you were created. And if that's the case, you will always find yourself in a place of turmoil. You'll always find yourself in a place where there's this war that's happening inside of us. And some of us struggle with this idea. We struggle with, why am I constantly battling blank? Fill in the blank. Why am I constantly battling with blank? And I want you to think about that for a second. What's the thing that you're constantly battling with? My health coach this week sent this thing over to me, and it, 
we went away for a little family vacation, and uh, we had a lot of fudge. And uh, at the end of just one week, I, I gained a lot of weight. In, in fact, I was pretty surprised at how much I gained. And so I told Kasha this week, I'm going to fast all week. Not for spiritual purposes, but just because i got to be able to fit into some clothes. <laughs> but he sent, he sent this over uh, to us, and he said, um, Brady's first law, and it's this, it, it's this health guy that created these different laws of how to actually create good health in your life. And he, he said this. He said, if food is in your house or your possession, either you or someone you love or someone you marginally tolerate will eventually eat that food. So think about it. The things that you have in your home, things that you have in your cabinets, eventually someone will eat them, right? So if you have junk food in your cabinet, guess what eventually will happen? You'll eventually eat it. Now, if you have healthy food, and, that, and that's where the contrary goes, this, this principle applied to healthy and unhealthy food. Think about this. If healthy food is in your house or in your possession, either you or someone you love or someone you marginally tolerate will eventually eat that. So think about it. What are the things that are in your cabinet right now? And, and I was thinking about this. For me, it's, it's this health journey. And, and literally, it was like when you walk into a fudge store, and they sell fudge and give free samples. And you're, in your mind, you're going, you know what? It's vacation. It's not that big of a deal. And then you take a sample of it, and you, th you ask them, what's in this? And they say, butter and sugar. And you go, is it healthy? And they say, absolutely not. And you say, okay, well, give me a slice of it. And then they have this special up on the thing that says three slices is better. And it's a cheaper price. And then you go back to your old days when you were a cheapskate. And you go, that's a better deal. Give me three. And then they say, well, do you know about our Mackinac special? Where it's three fudges and taffy and brittle. And you can get all of that for an even better price. And your mind goes, that's even better. And so <laughs> you buy it all. And then you go one day, and then you decide, you know what, we need more. And you go a second day. <laughs> and how did you eat three things of fudge in the beginning? Well, it rained every day of vacation. <laughs> and so you sat around playing cards. And what did you do when you played cards? You ate the unhealthy things that were there. And what happened? You gained 10 pounds <laughs> in one week. And you say, how does that happen? It's because of the stuff that you had in your cabinet. And, and I, I'm trying to, you know, use humor in here in a way, but when Peter is addressing this idea of not giving into the passions of our flesh, I, I really believe what he's really challenging us to is don't even bring it into your cabinet. Like, don't, don't even have it be a part of your life. Just be like, that's just not even there. Like, I don't look at pornography. Why? It's not even a part of my life. I don't give in to lust. Why? Because it's not, it's not in the cabinet. I don't, I can't, no one can go into the cabinet of my life and pull those things out. Why? Because they're just not there. Some of us have kept it in the cabinet because we go, well, maybe one day when I get, uh, I'll want that. And so like, we just want this little quick fix. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about as I'm sharing this how disappointed Brian Penny, one of my board members, is in me in this moment right now. He's like, because he'll fast with me, see? Um, that's a good board member right there. 
but seriously, like, it's what's in your, what's in your cabinet? What, what's in your life right now? What are the passions that you've been giving into on a regular basis that you've, you've just kept them locked up in the cabinet that God's saying, let's just remove those. Let's just completely abstain from that. Let's not even think about even going there. You want to have a great marriage? Then get rid of all the junk out there that's clouding your marriage. You want to have great health? Then get rid of all the junk food in your, in your cabinet, quote unquote. Like get rid of the passions of this. When we spend time in God's word, when we spend time in prayer, when we spend time listening, when we spend time in community with other believers, when we spend time praying, what happens is in those moments, we're abstaining from the flesh. And we're saying, God, I'm putting my priority on you. That's what fasting's all about. Fasting is all about abstaining from food to put the priority on the Lord. To abstain from the flesh, it literally means to hold oneself constantly back from it. I, I want you to think about that for a minute. What, what do you need held back from constantly? That's what it means to abstain from it. To recognize, I'm, I'm constantly in a battle in this. Christians are to resist the sin that pulls us into the worldly desires. James 4.1 says, What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? The scriptures declare it so easily. Like there's this war, this battle that's waging inside of us because of our passions. So for Pete's sake, live free. For Pete's sake, live free. Don't give in to the patterns of this world. Let's continue reading. That's just one verse. Okay, verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. It's interesting how Peter would write this because basically Peter's recognizing, listen, people are going to come against you one day. You're going to be falsely accused one day. Not everything is going to go your way one day. And when that happens, live in such a way that your good deeds would glorify God and that people would then be able to see God through your actions. It's crazy how many times you'll hear these stories of people who say they're Christians and yet when you look at their life, you could not you, it doesn't match up. When, when I used to wait tables, one of the biggest things when I used to wait tables back in the day was I always knew who the Christians were. And the reason was is because they were horrible tippers. They would. They would come in and they would complain about everything. Their food was never right. Stuff was always wrong. They were always looking for the cheap deal, the, the way out. Could you comp my food? Something like that. And then they would leave me a horrible tip when I comped their food. That does not line up. And what Peter's addressing here is he's saying, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so they may speak against you as the evildoers, that they may see good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The conflict many times for people around us is, is when they think about Jesus, they go, I love Jesus. I just don't like the people who follow him. 
The conflict is when we say we love Jesus, but then we do something contrary. And we're being challenged here to live in a way that lets people see Jesus in us so that they can then what? Encounter God. They can have their own moment of visitation. But then there are people that you meet in your life, and I think about the greasers and the greaser family, and they're kind of behind the scenes type people, and they're sitting right over here on the side, and they're like, I can't believe you're talking about us, but... But then I see a family like that that just exudes Jesus. I see it in their son. I see it in their life. I see it in their faith. And like I get around them, I'm like, oh, I want to be around them more. You know why? Because I see Jesus in them. Like things are lining up in their life. And I can see that in them and I go, oh, these people are saying no to the passions of their flesh. Now, does that mean they're perfect? No. Have I, do I know of anything they've done wrong? I actually don't. I mean, like, they're like the Picturex family. I mean, it's just, I'm sure Amy could tell me things, though, <laughs> about, about both her boys. <laughs> but what I see in this couple and this family is a family that's living free. They're free with their time. They're free with their resources. The things God's entrusted them with, they're, they're just freely giving it. The scriptures go on to say, but be the subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Now, here's one where we struggle with a little bit because it says right here that we're to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And this is, this is where I was telling you in the beginning you read things and you go, that just doesn't sit right. Because right now, we're very strong and proud about the things we believe in. No matter what side of the fence, quote unquote, you find yourself on, there's, people are very strongly opinionated right now, right? Come on. Like strongly, strongly opinionated. I will die carrying blank. I believe, you know, this was blank. This, like, people have very, very strong opinions. And here Peter writes to us and he says, be subject for what? For your sake? No, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. That's interesting. Because right now some of us don't like the human institutions that we're a part of. And here it says be subject to them for the Lord's sake. See, the motivation in our lives should not be obedience for our sake, but it should be for the Lord's sake. Obedience isn't just about avoiding punishment. It's actually about living in freedom. Some of us think that freedom means like, like I can't do X, Y, Z, but actually freedom means we walk in obedience in the midst of the seasons we're facing. To honor God who ordained human government, come on, think about that, Christians are to observe man-made laws carefully as long as those laws do not conflict with what? With a clear teaching of Scripture. So as long as it doesn't conflict with Scripture, then we are to obey it. Submission to lawful authority does not negate Christian liberty. Some of us are like, this is my right. I have a right to stand upon this and these things that we feel very strongly to. But what Peter is actually instructing us to is he's saying, listen, 
do these things for the Lord's sake. Why? Because then people would see it. The problem right now is... <laughs> hmm. I've never heard from more believers right now the disappointment that they have in other believers than in this season. And, and I just wonder if part of the reason why some people are leaving the church, quote-unquote, altogether, is because they're just disappointed in us. And I say us because we're all a part of it. And until we begin to make change and we live it out in our own lives... The world will continue to say, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Galatians 5.1 says, for freedom Christ has set us free, so stand firm. Therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Let's go on. Verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. What is Peter saying? Peter's saying, listen, you should live in such a way... That even when people falsely accuse, even when they say crazy things against you, that those people would be seen as foolish because they would say, that, no way. Like if someone came to me right now and said, oh, the greasers are, you know, horrible people. I would look at them and say, you're foolish. I, have you ever hung out with them? Have you ever been, like I've been with them. Like I've had them over into my home. Like I would look at you and say, that's, you're, that's foolish. Like, I, they're some of the most generous people I know. Why? Because I've been around them. The world is looking for people who are the real deal. The world is looking for people who would be willing to say to others around, I'm going to live in such a way that it would silence the ignorance of the foolish people around me. And I want to challenge us today to live in that type of way. To live in such a way where people would look at us and they would say, you know what? I know so-and-so said this about that person. That just doesn't line up, because why? Because I've watched them. They've shown me the contrary. Verse 16 says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. This one's pretty interesting, because sometimes we think that freedom means I have freedom to just sin and do whatever the heck I want. But Peter's reminding us, you don't have that type of freedom. This isn't freedom to cover up the evil and the stuff that you do. It's like sometimes we, we fall into this pattern where we think this. We think, well, I, as long as I get to church on Sunday and ask God to forgive me during the worship moment at song, you know, number two at least, then I'm okay for the rest of the gathering. And then this week I'll live like, you know, I'll just do whatever I want. And then on Sunday I'll come back in. And, and we fall into these patterns of thinking that that's, that's what it means to have freedom. But... But for Pete's sake, live free. Live free from sin. Live free from anger. Live free from jealousy. Live free from rage. Live free from lust. Live free from the things that the world is trying to entice you with. Live free. Live different. So how do we do it? Because you could sit here and you could say, Pastor Brian, like, that sounds great. I'm going to live free. In fact, that's the big idea. For Pete's sake, live free. And you're like, gosh, I'm going to live free. Here, let me add to it, though, because this is, this is where it gets a little crazy. How, how do we actually live free? The, Peter tells us how to do that. Verse 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, 
fear God, honor the emperor. This is interesting. How do you live free? You honor everyone. You love each other. You fear God. And you honor the government. Okay, look at that list right here. How do we live free? We honor everyone. We love each other. We fear God. And we honor government. How's the church doing with those? How are we doing? Honoring everyone, loving each other, fearing God, honoring the government. See, Peter, Peter actually, and it's so interesting because when you read this, you actually see the dilemma that the world is facing right now with the church. Because the world is looking at this and they're not seeing us honoring each other. Loving each other. They're not, they're not seeing us fearing God. They're definitely not seeing us honoring the government. I can just scroll through some of your Facebook pages and see how you're doing with honoring the government. We shoot our wounded. If a pastor fails, we're like, we, we, we talk about how horrible he is. When, when someone in Christian ministry fails, like, we make it into a big deal today. And then we're like, oh, see, I knew it. That person didn't even love Jesus. Da, 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 da. And I think of passages of Scripture where it talks about you should probably pull the plank out of your own eye before you start trying to pull it out of somebody else's. So how, how do we actually honor, then, one another? How, how do we do that? To honor, the, the Greek word there means to set a price. It, it's to create value in something. So if you want to live free, then you've got to value others. We have to be conscious of the fact that each and every one of us are human beings who have been uniquely created in the image of God. Every person. Our transgender person is created in the image of God. They are to be loved. I mean, so, well, Pastor Brian, I just don't know how to love them in the midst of their brokenness. That's where they need it even more. But right now, there's this huge divide. We want, we want to keep our kids protected from all these things around us when it's like, let's teach our kids how to love the brokenness around them to stand upon truth, to know that God is love. We have to honor everyone. And this isn't what I said. This is what God tells us. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Think about the context of what Peter was writing to. He was writing to the Christians who were under Roman influence. Rome one of the most oppressive cultures. That's who he's writing to, and he says to them, listen, honor everyone, love each other, fear God, and even honor the emperor. What does it mean to love each other? I was, <laughs> I, I still go back to moments in my childhood, 
and um, there was a song that we used to sing, Beloved, let us love one another. And then it would go, For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth God, loveth our God, for God is love. And then it would say, Beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7 and 8. And you may say, you did grow up in the church. I did. And there was a big blue book, Bible book guy named Salty who sang that song. But, man, if we could just do that. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he that knoweth not, knoweth not God, for God is what? Love. What does it mean to love each other? Man, I could, I could, and this was what was hard as I was walking through this passage is I was like, man, there's just so many times where we could just spend all the time just focusing on loving each other. We could spend all the time on just honor. We could spend all the time on fearing God. I mean, think about fear for a moment. This means not to be in terror. We're not talking about fear like how culture puts it, but it's, it's actually this fear that creates an awe. Like, I'm in, I'm in so much awe of who God is. One will never truly respect people around them until they really reverence who God is. And when we think about even honoring the government, the respect of honor that is due to people who are around us, and, and listen, you should be honoring those who are in places of authority right now. So whether you agree or do not agree with Governor Whitmer, she's been placed in a place of authority. Biden, President Biden, has been put in a place of authority. You should be praying for him. You really should. You should be praying for um, Vice President Kamala Harris. You should be praying for her. We are called to honor the government that is around us. Romans 13, verse 1 says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And Paul writes this, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been what? Instituted by God. So therefore, whoever resists the authorities actually resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. When Peter wrote this, he was writing it to those who were in the midst of a Roman empire which was not a democracy. There, was no, there were no special friends to Christians. And yet, still, when this was written, Peter recognized the legitimate authority that the Roman government had on the people. And he said this, For Pete's sake, live free. And here's the key. This is the key today. Live free through submission. Which I know just doesn't make sense, right? Live free through submission? That's what Jesus teaches us. Live free through submission. Now you may say, Pastor Brian, that's not freedom. But when we look at the word of God, that is freedom. Freedom comes through submission. Peter knew that the struggle would be real. He actually speaks to something that's very common to the people during his time. Many of the believers, actually, as we'll see about here in a moment, were actually slaves. Think about that. Many of the people that the scriptures were written to were slaves. Now, we live in a, a nation right now where we can't even comprehend that, can we? It's hard to comprehend slavery. 
because we live in the land of the free, the land of the independent, the land of just do and be whoever you want to be. But when these words were being written, Peter was writing them many times to actually to slaves. One scholar said this, the servants and slaves made up a high percentage of the early church. The undeserved punishment and suffering was a very common thing for them. So Peter goes to a place where he's going to speak to the slave. He's going to speak to those who are underprivileged. He's going to speak to those who have been, been pushed down. He's going to speak to those who don't have rights. Who could say, I've been wronged by X, Y, Z. And he's actually telling them, the true freedom that you are going to have is going to come through a place of submission. Verse 18 says, servants, be subject to your master with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. And I know we struggle with this because now all of a sudden Peter's now addressing slavery and, and instantly in our minds we can say, well, like slavery is bad and like we shouldn't even. But here's what's so crazy is Peter is not addressing the issue of whether slavery is right or wrong. He's addressing the heart of the one who finds himself in the injustice. He's writing to us today. Some of us, when we think about our freedom being taken from us, we're like, me and my guns say otherwise. But what Peter's reminding us is, is that we have freedom found in Christ so we can live free through what? Through submission. Verse uh, 19 says this, For this is the gracious thing, when the mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Peter recognizes that this is a difficult thing to do. It's, it's respectful submission to an undeserved suffering that actually finds favor with God because such behavior demonstrates what? God's grace. I mean, there's so many times in the scripture where we see this kind of playing out. Psalms chapter 37, verse 7. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper, for it only leads to harm. What is the psalmist telling us? saying, listen, in the midst of all the crazy, in the midst of all the things that you don't understand, in the midst of all the injustices, just be patient and wait for the Lord to act. James 1:19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, for human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So for Pete's sake, live free through submission. For Pete's sake, live free through submission. The American ideology does not say submit. It says just do and be who you want to be. But God's way says submission actually brings freedom. That's why he's writing this to us. Verse 20, for what credit is it when you sin and are beaten? For it you endure. But if when you are, do good and suffer for it and you endure, that is the gracious thing in the sight of God. Peter basically says this. It's easy if your master is good to trust God. But it's hard if your master's bad. And some of you have had injustices that have happened in your life. 
And the way that people really can see Christ live out is when you don't pay injustice with injustice. When you've received anger from somebody and instead of giving anger back, you actually show them love. Verse 21, for to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. See, you and I are called to be different. We're called to live in freedom through submission. Christ endured unfair judgment, punishment, rejection. Why? So he could be an example. And when we look at the life of Christ, we say, he lived something that is attractive to us. Think about it. What, what if the story of the gospel was Jesus came to earth and he was born in a palace? And in the palace, he had everything taken care of for him. He was wined and dined and he enjoyed all the pleasures of the world. In fact, when he was there, like, he never incurred any difficulty. In fact, all he saw was the lavishes of life. We would not relate to that story, would we? But we can relate to a story of someone who was rejected. We can relate to somebody who didn't have anything. We can relate to someone who left heaven and came to earth. We can relate to that and we can follow in his footsteps. And, and so for us here at Bethany, when we continue to think about what God's called us to, he's called us to help bring people one step closer by loving God, loving people, and loving life. And Peter is reminding us in this passage of the example that Christ has lived for us. He says, follow in his footsteps. So then he says this, he committed no sin. He's talking about Jesus. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was rivaled, he did not revile in return, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Come on, for Pete's sake, live free through submission. That's what we're being taught today. Live free through submission. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in the body on the tree that we might die to sin, live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. He's talking about sins forgiven, sickness being healed. Verse 25 says, for you were straying like sheep, but now, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. See, when you try to do it on your own, when you step outside of the shepherd, when you think you can just figure it out on your own, and you don't submit to what God has actually said, then what happens is, is you step outside of the pasture that the shepherd has. And I close with this. I think sometimes in the midst of our freedom and in the midst of the things that we've been facing and we've been holding to, we're not living in freedom. We're actually stepping outside of the pasture. Some of us, for our sake of nationalism, have stepped out of the pasture. I'm holding to what I believe in. I'm not saying don't hold to what you believe in. But if you're going to live free, you've got to be under submission. If you walk away with anything, my prayer would be just that this week, you would literally just walk away and you'd say, you know what, I'm going to chew on this for a while. How do I live free? It's through submission. What does it look like for me to submit in my life?
What happens when we live free through submission? It's in those moments where we actually then begin to take shelter in Christ. Back to Psalms for a minute. Psalms 37 verse 39 says, For the Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them and they find shelter in him. Psalms 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me. My heart is filled with joy. I burst out in a song of thanksgiving. For Pete's sake, live free through submission. This week, my challenge to you is that you would do that. When we were soaping in Galatians this past week, Galatians 1.10 says this, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. What does it mean to live free? It means to submit. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment this morning. Father, I pray for every person who's in the room, every person who's watching online right now. God, this is a hard subject because here we are being told that freedom actually comes through submission and in, in many ways it feels contrary to the culture around us and maybe in some ways how we've even been living ourselves. God, there are things in our lives that need to be brought to submission. And so today, God, we just submit to you. We submit our plans to you. The Sharps today submitted their plans to you. And, and in the midst of them submitting their plans to you, you called them from here, a town they've lived in their whole life, to Oklahoma. Because they were willing to say, you know what? I submit to God's plans. And I believe that they're going to experience freedom because they're listening to your voice. God, each and every one of us have areas in our lives that we need to submit to you. Dreams, visions, plans, finances, relationships. And today I pray, God, that you would help us to submit to you. God, help us today in these moments to submit to your word. Help us today to submit so that we can truly live free. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here in the room today and, or you're watching online and you haven't submitted to Christ, you may say, well, what does it mean to submit to Christ? It means this. It means saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And you come into a right relationship with God. And it's in that moment of coming into right relationship with God where you say, it's not about my independence. It's actually about my submission to you. And if today you haven't submitted fully to Christ, you haven't asked him to be Lord of your life and submitted your life to him, I just want to challenge you with something. I think today is your day, a day for you to take that first step of submitting your life to Christ and asking him to be Lord of your life. If that's you real quickly today, I'm just going to ask you, I'm not going to ask you to come up front or anything like that, but I am going to ask you just to raise your hand real quickly and just to say, that's me. I need to submit my life to Christ and I want to take that step today. If that's you, 
I want to pray a real simple prayer with you, and we're going to join together with you. But if that's you, would you just real quickly just raise your hand? You just say, that's me today. I need to take that first step. I see that hand. You just say, I need to take that first step today. All right, here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray together as a family. Would you say this? Would you say, Jesus, right now, I submit my life to you. I can't do this on my own. Today I need to be set free. So right now, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. Change my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. So forgive me. From this day forward, I will live for you in submission, which will truly bring freedom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a big clap of praise right there. Come on.